from here in the Holy Land. Welcome to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. I'm your host, Yael Eckstein, President and CEO of the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. Each week, we'll explore the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and nourish those roots with inspirational insights and ancient teachings that are so relevant to our lives today. Let's get started. These days, there seems to be a lot of anger in the air. I don't know about you, but I've noticed that in the last year or two, more people seem more angry. And it's understandable. It's been an intense time, and we've had to deal with heated political debates, elections, the coronavirus, and all of the issues that came up as a result of the pandemic. Chances are you felt your buttons pushed at some point in the last year. I sure know I have. But on today's podcast, we're going to talk about how damaging anger can be and why you want to do everything you can to avoid it. We're going to study an incident at the end of the book of Numbers when Moses became angry and suffered the consequences. We'll explore ancient Jewish teachings about what anger costs us and what we can gain by getting rid of it. I'll also share some powerful teachings that will help you deal with anger when it comes up and to get rid of resentment that may have been weighing you down for decades. Trust me, you want to stick around for this episode because, quite frankly, you can't afford to miss it. Like we do on every episode, we'll begin with verses from this week's Parsha. Every week, Jews around the world read and study the same Torah portion known as the Parsha. This week's Parsha is called Matot Masai, and it covers numbers 32 through 36, 13. These are also the final chapters in the book of Numbers. Chapter 31 begins with God's command to take vengeance on the Midianites who had tried to destroy the nation of Israel by corrupting them spiritually. In chapter 25, the Bible tells us that the nation of Midian sent their women to seduce the men of Israel and trick them into committing idolatry. At first, the Midianite women succeeded, and as a result, God sent a deadly plague. Pinchas saw what was happening. He killed the two main perpetrators, putting an end to the idolatry and the plague. But the damage was already done, and 24,000 Israelites were killed in the plague. Now, in chapter 31, God tells Moses that the time has come to take action against the nation of Midian. The Israelites did as God commanded and waged war on Midian, but they didn't completely follow through on the directives to destroy the Midianites. Instead, they let the women and children live. The verses that we will focus on today pick up when the Israelites came back from the war and Moses went out to meet them. They're from Numbers chapter 31, verses 13 through 16, and I'm going to read them to you now. Moses, Eleazar, the priest, and all the leaders of the community went to meet them outside the camp. Moses was angry with the officers of the army, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds who returned from the battle. Have you allowed all the women to live? He asked them. 
They were the ones who followed Balaam's advice and enticed the Israelites to be unfaithful to the Lord in Peor incident so that a plague struck the Lord's people. These verses tell us that Moses became angry with the officers of the army because they didn't completely fulfill the word of God. They let the Midianite women live. And what made it even worse was that the women were the ones who were most responsible for damaging the nation of Israel. Abraham Lincoln once said, You can tell the greatness of a man by what makes him angry. If that's the case, then Moses getting angry because of an affront to God says a lot about the kind of person that Moses was. But even though Moses' anger seems totally appropriate and even praiseworthy, it wasn't without negative consequences. A few verses later, we read that Eleazar the priest gave over the laws about purifying vessels taken in war. The rabbis pointed out that normally Moses gave over the laws to the people, but here Eleazar had to teach them instead. According to Jewish tradition, when Moses became angry, he was made to forget the laws and couldn't teach them. Now, it certainly sounds like Moses was punished because he became angry, but how can that be? Wasn't his anger justified and even admirable, standing up for what God divinely instructed? The rabbis explained that Moses wasn't punished for his anger, but he did suffer the consequences of anger. That's really interesting. Anger has negative consequences even when it's justified. Have you ever had the following experience? You try to open a door to a house or a car, but the key just won't turn. You might be in a rush or your hands full of groceries and you start to get frustrated. You jam the key in further. You think that by pushing harder, suddenly it will work. But of course, the door just won't open. You become so angry and annoyed that you try to open the door in all sorts of foolish ways. But if you had just stayed calm and rational, you might have realized that you simply had the wrong key. Has anything like that ever happened to you? I know it has to me. When I'm so rushed and need something to happen, that I stop paying attention to the details, that I lose my mind in anger or being annoyed because of what's happening. In Proverbs 29.11, we read, Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. One way to understand this verse is that when we are angry, we become foolish. And when we are calm, we are wise. Moses wasn't punished with forgetfulness because he got angry, but it was the natural consequence of his anger. God created human beings in a way that when we are angry, we compromise our mental faculties. And if we aren't careful, we might say or do something that we regret forever. The Jewish tradition has a lot to say about the negative effects of anger. Now, I'm going to quote the Talmud a few times here during this episode, so in case you aren't familiar with what the Talmud is, I'm going to explain. The Talmud is the written compilation of the Jewish oral tradition that was passed down from generation to generation from the time of Moses. It was studied, just like its name, orally alongside the written Bible until the year 70 when the Jewish people were sent into exile. 
At that time, the oral tradition was in danger of being forgotten. So it was written down and became the Talmud that we still study and learn from today. Here's one of the quotes from the Talmud about anger. When a person gives into anger, if he is wise, his wisdom leaves him. If he is a prophet, his power of prophecy leaves him. If greatness was decreed for him from heaven, anger will cause him to be degraded. The Talmud also says, when any man gives way to rage, even the divine presence, the Shekhinah, abandons him. The Talmud made it clear that anger causes us to lose wisdom, clarity, and connection to God and many other blessings. King Solomon adds that anger has a negative effect on our physical well-being as well. In Ecclesiastes 11.10, he wrote, Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body. Solomon taught that having anger in our heart creates pain in our body. I know when I get angry, it's not a very pleasant physical experience either. My body gets tense, my heart starts pumping, maybe I'll start shaking. It is not a good physical feeling to be angry, just as much as it's not a good spiritual feeling. This idea reminded me of something that happened recently with my 12-year-old son, Liam, and one of his teachers. A few weeks ago, Liam came home from school very upset. He told me that his teacher picked on him and called him out for wearing a t-shirt with a graphic on it when technically the school uniform requires a solid shirt. According to Liam, half the class had graphics on their shirts, but only he was singled out. He told me that because the situation was so unfair, he planned to wear t-shirts with big, bold graphics on them for the rest of the week just to spite his teacher. To me, it was so obvious that Liam had nothing to gain but a whole lot more trouble if he chose to follow through with his plan. But I also realized that to him, the plan made perfect sense. In his mind, he would achieve something by acting that way. Thankfully, I was able to calm down my son and bring him to his senses before he ended up with a week's work of after-school detention. It was a good lesson for him about maturity. But I also realized that mature adults make the same mistake all the time. We get angry and stay angry. We have nothing to gain and everything to lose. Just like my son, he was angry and the decisions that he was going to make to wear a shirt with big graphics on it for the rest of the week would have caused nobody harm except for himself who would have been punished at school for it. So why do we get angry sometimes? We all get angry. And the answer, of course, is because we are human. And when you're human, everyone gets angry, even the best of us even Moses. In the Talmud, the rabbis gave the following advice. They said, be slow to anger and easy to pacify. Notice that they didn't say never get angry because that's not possible. God doesn't expect us to go against our nature, but to work on our nature, to make ourselves better. What God is saying is that it is possible to work on ourselves so that we get angry less often and let go of anger more quickly. The truth is that getting control of anger isn't easy. 
But knowing that we have nothing to gain from it and so much to lose can help us do whatever it takes to avoid it. I once heard someone explain how to drop harmful emotions in this way. He said, how do you drop a hot potato? You just do it because it hurts. When we really understand how much anger hurts us, we do our best to avoid it. And when we can't avoid it, we will find a way to drop it. There are plenty of strategies out there to help us manage anger, like counting to 10, taking deep breaths, repeating a Bible verse, or walking away, to name a few. They all have one thing in common. All of these methods of trying to help with our anger get us to delay a response so that we have a chance to drop the anger before we do something, take an action that we might regret. We might not be able to stop ourselves from getting angry in the first place, but we can certainly stop ourselves from acting in anger, which can cause an even greater damage. Moses learned this the hard way. When he became angry at the Israelites for complaining about God yet again, In Numbers chapter 20, we learn that God told Moses to speak to a specific rock so that water would come out of it and the Israelites would have water to drink. Do you remember what happened next? In his anger, Moses hit the rock instead. As a result, God decreed that Moses would not enter the promised land. That one act, done in anger, had tragic and irreversible consequences for Moses. And if we aren't careful, we could make the same mistake too. It's not a question of if we are justified to be angry. It's a question of if we are justified to act in anger. And the answer is a very clear no. It's no accident that the word anger is just one letter away from the word danger. Anger can quickly lead us to danger if we don't stop it in its tracks. I want to tell you a very powerful story called The Man Who Almost Killed His Son. This is an old Jewish folktale that really drives this point home. It has been passed down for generations in order to warn people about the danger of acting in anger. The story is about a man who deeply respected his father and did whatever his father asked of him. When his father was on his deathbed, he said to his son, Just as you honored me during my lifetime, continue to do so after my death by obeying these instructions. When you grow angry, refrain from taking action until the next day. Shortly after his father died, the man left for a business trip that lasted over a decade. What he didn't know was that his wife was pregnant when he left. When the man returned from his trip years later, he heard a man's voice inside the home, speaking and laughing with his wife. He immediately assumed that his wife had been unfaithful while he was gone, and he became enraged. The man drew his sword with the intention of killing the stranger inside his house, but then he remembered the promise he swore to his father not to act immediately on anger, but to wait until the next day. What would change by the next day, he thought to himself? Nothing. But out of respect to his father, the man put his sword away. 
A few minutes later, he heard his wife say to the man inside the house, Had your father known you were born, he would already be finding you a good wife. Wow, could you imagine? The man suddenly realized that the person he almost murdered was actually his son. He ran inside, he hugged his wife, he kissed his son, and he blessed God who helped him control his anger, which saved him from making the biggest mistake of his life. When we create space between feeling angry and taking action, we allow ourselves to return to our senses and avoid doing things that we will deeply regret. No action in anger is good. We see this idea in the Christian Bible too. We read, in your anger, do not sin. The verse cautions us not to let our anger lead us to sin. If we can stop ourselves from taking action while we are in a state of anger, we win most of the battle. Once we come down, we can react intelligently and do one of three things. We might realize that what made us angry isn't really worth being angry about and we can move on with our lives. Or we might realize that being upset is justified and that we need to take action. Anger can be a useful tool that motivates us to create a change in our lives or in the world, but we can only create positive change when we are calm and never in that state of rage. But many times in life, we come to the conclusion that even though we are justified for being upset about a specific situation, there really isn't much that we can do to change it. For example, someone might cut you off in traffic, and by the looks of the young man in the driver's seat, you are pretty sure he is not in an emergency situation. Your anger is understandable, but there isn't much you can do about it. Sure, you can try cutting off the driver the way he did to you, but that would only endanger your life and wouldn't actually achieve anything. Or maybe somebody treated you unfairly or was unkind to you. But even after talking about and telling the person how you feel, they refuse to see your side of it. You may be angry and you may be right, but there's nothing more that you can say or do to change the situation. In these cases, we need to let our anger go and give it up to God. To let go and let God take over. If we let the anger fester inside of us, it will only harm us. And as we learn, steal our blessings. It's like a hot potato. And if we don't drop it, we are the ones who end up getting burned. I try not to get angry very often. And thank God it's not one of the challenges that God has given me in my life. But one of the things that really triggers me is when people deliberately spread lies about Israel. This happened a lot in the last conflict that took place in May and began when the Hamas terrorist group in Gaza began firing rockets directly at Israel and purposefully into civilian cities. Part of Hamas's strategy to inflict maximum damage on Israel is to spread lies in order to turn the public opinion against Israel. And unfortunately, in this last conflict, they were very successful in doing so. And the truth is, Those lies that are spread, I feel personal about them. 
I feel like it's lies being spread against me and my family, and it is completely infuriating to watch your country being slandered mercilessly in the news and across social media when you know that your army does more than any army in the world to protect civilian lives. It's infuriating to watch your country be treated like criminals when you know that your country is simply defending itself just as any other country in the world would do in the same position. It's personal for me. This is my home. These are my people. This is my army. During the conflict, the fellowship held a town hall meeting over the phone and thousands of people called in from around the world in order to pray for Israel and learn more about what's going on. After I gave an update on the situation, I took questions. And one caller asked me what I thought the end game was, how the conflict might end in a way that is good for Israel when it seemed that Israel was forced into an impossible and unfair situation, having to choose between defending her citizens and world condemnation. I said to the caller, I don't know, and the truth is that no one knows, but I believe that God knows. So in situations like this, when there simply is no answer, instead of staying angry and lashing out, my work, my prayer has been to turn inwards and to turn upwards to God. We might not be able to make the situation better, but we can always turn to God in prayer and God can make our situation better. If I believe God is in charge and I don't have the answers, God is the only place I'm turning to with my heart and my anger. As I've had to learn myself, even when my anger is justified, nothing good will come from acting in anger. During the conflict, my personal Facebook page was bombarded by trolls who posted lies about Israel and plenty of curses. I could have lashed out at them. I could have read every single comment and responded with anger, but I let go of my anger and instead I actually reached out to them. I invited the trolls to my page and I let them know that I hoped that they could learn something from it. I let them know that I love all of God's people, that I pray for peace, and I live in a country, Israel, that believes in peace and takes steps towards peace. I invited the trolls to join us. No matter how angry I get about the way Israel is mistreated or about anything at all, I've learned to turn my anger into prayer. Staying angry will only hurt us. But standing in prayer is probably the most constructive thing we can ever do. When we give the situation over to God, he will fight our battles. And we will be free to let go of anger and go on with our lives. I'm not going to lie. Controlling anger, especially in the heat of the moment, isn't easy. As we learn today, even Moses struggled with it. But it is definitely possible and always worth it. When we let go of our anger, we get back the blessing it takes from us and we prevent it from damaging even more of our blessings, like our cherished relationships or our finances or our spiritual connection to God. In addition, when we break free from anger, we can draw even more blessings into our lives. Rabbi Nachman of Breslev, a famous 18th century Ukrainian rabbi said, 
When a person fights his anger and breaks it, he will be worthy of rich blessings and will succeed in fulfilling his mission in the world. Maybe that's because he will suddenly have all of the tools he needs by overcoming his anger. In Psalm 37, verse 8, King David says, Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. Nothing good comes from being angry. This week, pay attention to what gets you upset and practice mastering your anger. Remember to let go of the things that don't really matter and to let God take care of the things that you can't change yourself. Above all, don't take action while you are angry. Wait. Wait for it to subside and make a smart decision. If you succeed in controlling your anger, great. And if you don't, don't worry. You are in good company because even Moses struggled with anger too. Our job is to keep practicing. The more we practice, the more we will succeed. And the more we succeed, the more blessings we will receive. Shavua Tov, my friends. Have a wonderful week and a blessed week from here in the Holy Land. Thank you for listening to the Nourish Your Biblical Roots podcast. If you like what you have heard, visit me at mybiblicalroots.org for more of my teachings, videos, blogs, and books. You can also follow me on Instagram at yael underscore Eckstein or on Facebook at yael Eckstein. Shalom and see you next week.